Hey, welcome to the Fitness Business Blueprint Podcast. It's me, Justin Devonshire. And first of all, I want to apologize because this is actually my first podcast drop of 2021. That's right. My last podcast was in December of last year, 2020. So I want to quickly explain where I've been for the last six or seven months and how that's actually going to benefit you today. So I've not been present on social media. I've not been dropping podcasts uh, for the last seven months, you might have noticed. And that's because really, uh, I've just been so immersed in the building of our actual fitness business. I've been practicing what I preach. And I've also just been working with my elite one-to-one private mentoring students. Uh, And right now, our our gym business is taking off so much. We've become a franchise. We are going to have 10 locations as of January 2020. uh, And and things are growing fast. So I've just been immersed in the business day to day. And and as it grows and grows, that's where my focus is going to be. So This is actually going to be the last time uh, from now until the end of this year will be the last chance to actually get my help with private mentoring if that's what you want. So you can still, uh, you still have time by the end of the year. If you're interested, you can reach out, message me. Uh, You can send me a WhatsApp uh, on um, 003579680-6626. That's my personal WhatsApp Shoot me a message if you're interested in having my one-to-one help to help you scale, because at the end of this year, I'm going to be closing off the mentorship to new people as we're going to be fully focused on scaling up our gyms. So how do you benefit from my time off the podcast? Well, in this episode, this is going to be part one of a multiple part series that I'm recording, and this is going to share my top 10 lessons from scaling from zero to 10 locations in the last three years and tripling our business through the global pandemic. There's going to be so much value here for you. This was actually recorded for my mentorship clients in our mastermind group. So this is paid exclusive content, but I wanted to share it publicly with you guys right here on the podcast only uh, to thank you for your patience uh, and just to get back in the swing of things. So I hope you enjoy this. Let me know. Follow the links below if you're interested in mentoring. And I will see you on the other side. There's going to be so much value um, in this for you guys as well, because I'm going to share lessons at every stage of the journey. And it's also going to be um, sharing those lessons in the context of uh, through through actual events and milestones that have happened uh, and how things changed going from one location to two locations, from two to three, from three to seven, uh, and expanding now 10 plus. What are the key changes that happen in, in structurally from a mindset perspective? What are we learning along the way, right? So there's going to be some basic concepts here. There's going to be more advanced concepts. So wherever you are in the journey, you're going to get some great value out of this and it's going to help you see probably what's going to happen next for you. And that's the best thing, guys. You know, it, they say that wisdom is not having all the right answers. Wisdom is having all the right questions. And you can be knowledgeable. You can have knowledge from having the answers, but you'll be very wise when you know what questions to ask. When you know, when you want to ask What should I be looking for? What problems and challenges might be coming up for me that I can be aware of and anticipate and 
deal with more easily or even prevent from happening in the first place. That is true wisdom, I believe. And so I think this is going to really help you out, not just where you are, but on your next two or three steps forward as well. So uh, the first big lesson here, number one, the first lesson uh, comes uh, in outsourcing your biggest weakness. Identify your biggest weakness and outsource it. Ideally, before you know, before you need to. So, when uh, I, I first um, met James, James had already opened the first Transform Hub. He just he 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 um, was working. You know, as PT in a gym. He then uh, got the funds to open up the first Transform Hub. He, uh, uh, he got a, you know a, a ten thousand pound loan from uh, you know a great lady Wendy who was one of his clients and is now a business partner with us and she's uh, fully involved in running the company with us and uh, James already had the transform hub just opened he'd run a six week challenge so he'd got you know got he he'd done some learning done some research from you know from from mentorship and things he knew the right model just like you guys are being taught okay he ran a good uh, front end challenge into uh, a 99 a month or more membership and signed up, I can't remember what it was, 50, 60 clients off the bat. And at that point, I remember James telling me that that's when, you know, <laughs> it all became a bit real to him that he'd now signed up all these people. They'd begun a six-week challenge. And then he, then he asked the question, well, now what do I do? <laughs> what the heck do I do now? I've got all these clients. I've got this potential business. What do I do now? And that is when James came to a four-day mastermind that I was holding at the time in Reading in the UK. So that was the four-day event we did for for you guys in, in, on this mentorship program. Uh, and James came along, paid a guest fee. Uh, he wasn't a client on the mentorship, so he paid an additional fee to come along as a guest. Uh, and during that week, you know, and I, I, he he came and spoke to me during the week and said, "Look, I've I've got this model. This I want to grow it, but I'm but he had the self awareness to say I don't know what to do next, or you know I know systems need to be put in and financials, but I don't know that side of things. And basically, yeah, James had the awareness to know what his biggest weaknesses were. Most people make the mistake of trying to fix their weaknesses, and I don't believe in that at all. And I'm talking here about weaknesses from a bigger level. So don't get caught up on tactical things here. When people say things like, uh, you know, well, well, I'm, not, I'm not so good at like, tracking basic numbers, so I'll outsource that. You've got to have a general understanding of, of business numbers. You can't outsource that completely. You've got to have an understanding of sales, right? You can't outsource sales without ha ever having done sales for your, or sold your own fitness package, right? I'm not talking about weaknesses specifically as tactical as that, right? I think even if you suck at sales, you should learn sales. You should learn to be good at sales. Because otherwise, how can you actually train someone else to be good at sales for you? I'm talking here about natural personality constructs. And if you go into module, uh, module one of the FBB, it's laid out with the visionary versus integrator approach or the entrepreneur mindset versus the investor mindset. You're either more right-brained visionary or you're more left-brained operational. Okay, and again, the, the, the visionaries, the right-brained operational guys, you're, you're more emotional. You'll act on impulses, which is great because it means you'll take bigger risks 
than most people would get into. You'll jump into situations that most people wouldn't, but you're going to make a mess of it or not know what to do next because you jumped in too deep, uh, which is great on one hand, but can get you stuck on the other hand. Um, on the other hand, I think if you're a more integrator type, then you are really good at the planning, the details, all the all the little numbers and everything, but you'll never have the emotional impulse to take as many big actions. So a lot of integrators end up with great business plans that they never even start. Uh, and you'll know if you're an integrator, if you've gone year after year with no substantial growth in your company, then you're lacking a visionary aspect. And if your business has been growing or it's a roller coaster of highs and lows, then you're definitely lacking an integrator concept for sustainability. So visionary is what makes things launch or makes things move forward. Progression. Visionary equals progression. But integrator creates sustainability, profitability, long term, right? So that's the ultimate weakness you've got to be. And that's why it's module one in the program. You've got to understand where your uh, strengths and weaknesses lie. And if you're a, a true visionary, like, like James is, he knew early enough, almost instinctively, that he had to find an integrator, right? And we probably, I probably taught that on the four-day event, so we probably kind of, it probably clicked for him there. He came to me, you know, I said, look, you've got a lot of potential here, it's a great business, but you do very much need a strong integrator in the company, or because, because you need to focus on your visionary strengths. Uh, you can't waste time trying to do something, you're never gonna do that well, right? Uh, you need to get someone in the business. So if you are a visionary, you know, we partnered up. I said, you've got great potential. You know, I'll take an equity. In the, there's so much work here to do, right? You probably couldn't afford to pay me for the amount of consulting you would need to build everything in, right? Um, but I will be partners with you because I see the potential. I see the potential in you. I see the potential in the Transform Hub. I can bring the operational resources and we can make this thing fly, right? And James didn't think very long. He was like, yeah, let's do it. Let's partner up. He he knew that was a good idea. He benefited from my decade of experience and all my systems and operations. And boom, the Transform Hub really started taking off, right? So that's the first lesson. You've got to know which is your strength and weakness and get the other side outsourced as soon as possible. If you're a visionary, and you can do the test in module one, if you're a strong visionary, you need to bring in an integrator. That could be uh, that could be a partner, like like James did, like bringing in a partner who who has the experience for that. It could be in a mentor. A lot of you guys, a lot of visionaries on this program are benefiting a lot by having my integrational systems and me as a, as me as your one to one coach, which helps you make better decisions. Or I I I keep you focused on things when you would have given up and abandoned them. Or I help you to question your decisions and think things through in a, in a longer term perspective. So even having me here as a mentor helps a lot of you guys do that. Uh, or you might even just want to hire someone in your company, maybe an operations manager, a, a center director, someone with an operational background who can come in uh, and take care of all that stuff and put the plan in place. However you do it is not as important as the fact that you actually do it. Okay, so that's how me and James started working together. Uh, and that leads us on to, to lesson number two. So the next thing that happened then is um, just after that point, um, we were about to open the second transform hub. Okay, we'd got you know, money coming in, 
ready to open a second bigger location uh, a few a few kilometers away. And at this point, we made the decision to separate men and women, okay? Because at, at the Transform Hub originally, the way James launched it was for men and women together. So the first key bit of advice I basically imparted was for the second location, I think we should separate men and women. We should niche down. And that's lesson number two, niching down as far as you can, not too far, uh, not so far that your audience becomes so tiny, but niching down by, uh, you know, either by demographic, by, by, by agenda, by age, something like this really helps. Uh, especially in a local market, because people, to stand out amongst the competition, people need to see exactly who you are, exactly what you do, and the more specific your niche, really, it it, it, over, it overcomes a lot of need for marketing and heavy sales. The more specific and aimed at one type of individual you are, the less selling you have to do, because niching down in terms of marketing is actually a form of pre-selling, pre-qualification. And it also heightens perceived value for the same thing. Simple example is this. Gym owner A, right? Or let's say, let's just use Transform Hub, right? The Transform Hub as it was with, with, a, with a men's and women's um, mixed base would have a six-week challenge. And it was called the six-week, you know, six-week transformation challenge. Okay, great, you know. Um, that's not that unique, but when we were able to specify it for women, that same six week challenge could now be called the six week, get your body back challenge, the six week drop a dress size challenge. Now a six week drop a dress size challenge can easily be sold for more money than a six week fitness or transformation challenge, even though it's the exact same product. When the market sees this is created specifically for me, that uh, gives them more confidence uh, and an ability to say yes. And on the product, so that's the marketing side, makes marketing and sales easier for you by niching down. Secondly, on the fulfillment side, it also makes fulfillment and retention better for you because it's far easier for us to create the best culture, the best community, when it's around a group of like-minded people. So if we're helping like-minded 30 to 40-year-old busy mums or a bunch of dads, for example, or men. It's far easier. And there's a very different culture in the men's hub than there is in the women's hub now, okay? So you have to bear that in mind. Now, if some people do train mixed groups, and that can work, right? If, if but, your, but your niche message has to be something a little bit different. You can't say we specialize in helping busy mums over 30 and busy dads over 30. You can't specialize in this and that. Otherwise, it's not a speciality. It's a general generality, isn't it? So um, niching down wherever you can is going to help you long term to scale much faster and smoother. Okay, so we actually created two separate brands. Uh, the initial hub became the first men's hub. And then the new location became the first uh, women's or, or just transform hub became women's only um, thanks to niching down and I know we wouldn't have scaled both those as fast I think there's about five or six men's hub now there's going to be five uh, four or five women's hubs we wouldn't have scaled so fast if we um, hadn't separated out the genders there okay 
Third lesson, number three, you must be out of the technical work. You need to be out of doing technical work um, by your second location or definitely by your third. By the second is okay, depending on cash flow, but by the third location, you need to be out of any technical things, which means lead generation, closing sales, or coaching, you know, coaching and client fulfillment. You need to be out of those things. So we had two locations running. So this would have been, I guess, um, 2018, late 2017 or, or 2000, January 2018, I believe the second hub launched. And um, we then opened up the third location not long after. We, got, we, we started getting the third location ready. And... Um, Basically, at this point, especially going to the second location, um, we began the process of getting James out of the technical work. Okay, so I was never involved in technical work. I, I live in Cyprus. I, I fly over to the UK once a month and meet, see the team and the clients there. But James, of course, founded the company, was in the technical work. He was the, running the ads, doing the sales, coaching the sessions. So by the second location, we had to start taking that off him. We, we outsourced all the lead generation, um, and then we just had sales, and, and we started bringing in, bringing in coaches part-time to start taking some of the coaching hours off so we could focus more on sales and outsourcing sales eventually. Uh, so it's really important at this point as well because a lot of fit pros, a lot of gym owners resist at this stage, right? They try and hold on. Uh, it's very hard to grasp. It, it, it is, there's no easy answer to say, when should I let go completely of technical tasks? Because in some areas you want to hold on and other times you want to let go. But you really need to start prepping to let go as soon as you have a second location, right? As soon as possible, even on the first location. Because the thing is, the more you're involved in the technical work, the slower the business is going to be able to scale. And if you've got something good, if you're building a prototype here of something that's really good, you want to push it. You want to keep that momentum going. The only thing that's going to kill your momentum is you doing all the technical tasks and or having no cash flow in the bank. And usually, if you have little cash flow in the bank, that's a symptom of you doing too much technical tasks. Right, because the more technical tasks you do when you have two locations, um, that means no one's managing the business. If you're working in the business, nobody's working on it. Right, so so quality of leads, quality of sales, and quality of coaching will all suffer if they all depend on you. Okay, and you'll end up doing a lot more work, working twelve hours a day, but money is still not going up. And you get caught in the catch-22 where you think, ah, but I need to work harder and make more money so that I can afford to pay someone. But actually, it doesn't always work that way. There's always going to be risk in hiring people, but you have to get through that phase and do it anyway. Um, there's never going to be a right time to do it, okay? So that was a the lesson there. If you're opening a second location up now, you have to get out of the technical work. You have to because... Um, that's the end of the line otherwise for you. Nothing, nothing can scale beyond that, okay? Now, a lot of people resist this as well because, because 
um, a big concern I hear is that if if you pull yourself out of the coaching, all the OG clients are going to be upset, right? Anyone agree with that? You probably worry that if I pull myself out of coaching, you know, maybe I know I should do it or I've got the money to do it to hire someone, but I just feel if I pull myself out of coaching, a lot of the clients, there's going to be backlash and a lot of clients might leave and then send us scaling back again. And that is a legitimate concern. And you know what? It will happen. It will happen. Uh, and this happened when we opened the third location uh, or we're setting up the third location and um, we really started pulling James out of the technical work, out of all the coaching sessions. At that point, leads and sales were already outsourced, but James was still doing some coaching sessions and we had to pull him out. This is where you will get a portion of clients, but maybe only 5 to 10% who are offended or insulted that you don't want to work 12 hours a day for the rest of your life. Um, this will happen, right? But it's more a reflection on those clients than it is a reflection on you. You cannot be held hostage to those clients, all right? Yes, they're coming, they, they came originally for you, but you have a business that you need to grow now. And if you want to help dozens or hundreds more people with your amazing service, then that supersedes the, the, the 15 clients who are mad that you're not going to be turning up at 6 a.m. to do their workouts anymore. Sorry, right? That's just tough shit for them. And it's not pleasant and it's not great, it's not ideal, but it is what it is. In life, you are going to outgrow many relationships. Maybe you've outgrown intimate relationships with partners. Maybe you've outgrown, uh, you know, uh, relationships with certain clients in the past. Relationships can only sustain if both sides are continuously progressing and growing. So you met your initial clients when you needed that, that initial launch. They helped you out. They had leverage. But now you're rapidly growing. They don't like it. They don't like it now that they were getting the significance. They were getting all the attention. They were, the focus was on them. It was their private gym, their private hub. And now it's not so much anymore. And, you know, that's a shame, but it is what it is. You have to make a stand and say, look, you know, uh, I totally get things are changing, but it's for the best of everyone. Okay. You know, imagine if people told Howard Schultz when they had three Starbucks locations said, you know, you're going to open, what, 16,000 locations? I don't think so. We want you to stay small so we have the best coffee. Sorry, doesn't work like that. You've outgrown those relationships uh, and you have to just pull the bandaid off and say, yeah, I'm doing it anyway. You know, you can assure those clients that the service will be the same. The coaches you bring in are going to be hand-selected, uh, well-trained and deliver the same aspects. But if they don't like it and they want to leave, cool, whatever. Uh, and you know what, guys? One more, one more note on this before we move to this, the fourth lesson. What I've also noticed, interestingly, is that all the... Uh, most of the time, the clients that are having a problem with you, the OG clients who have a problem with you stepping out, are, all, all, are also the ones paying the least money because they got in on the ground floor paying like 35, 40 quid a month. And now they see that, you know, everything is like 99 pounds a month. 
So those people are the ones that you're actually getting the least value from at this point, right? And you feel guilty because they, they got you going, but you know, you know, I'm, I'm grateful that my mum gave birth to me in the first place, but at, you know, at 18, I had to leave home and have my own life, right? It's, it's the same thing, guys. Like, they got you going, great. They were pivotal at the start of your, of your inception of your business, but you have to move on. So that was part one. Hope you enjoyed that. A few basics there. In the next part, stay tuned because now we're going to start talking about bigger scaling concepts, including uh, what's the minimum level you need your gym to get to before you know you can scale. Uh, we're going to talk about lessons we learned in attracting employees, uh, investors, and franchisees, and how do you navigate some of the bigger challenges, mindset, and, and skill-wise when it comes to scaling up. Let me know your thoughts and feedback on this and any other questions you have, and then stay tuned for part two coming up in the next few days.